I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 6, and then I'm also going to read a little bit in Timothy, but if you want to follow along, you know, if you want to open your word or get it on your phone or whatever, Matthew chapter 6, it's, it's a, it should be a well-known passage. In fact, this is, this is the collection of verses that we use for the college that, that, that uh, I'm trying to lead. Um, it's Matthew 6, uh, and we're going to start in verse 22. We'll read the rest of the chapter. I, I'm sorry, we'll start in verse 16. But we're, I, I do want to talk to you about um, just your future, right? And, you know, how you should be thinking about that now. So um, let's begin, all right? Uh, Matthew 6, um, verse 16. When you fast, do not, do not look somber like hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so they will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your father. Who is seen, who is unseen, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Do not store up treasures for yourself on earth. I'm on verse 19. Where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's skip to 24, okay? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the earth, of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For, these, for the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Now, the second passage I want to read is in 1 Timothy. And, I, you know, it's 1 Timothy chapter 6, but if you want to just listen as I read it right now, that's completely okay with me, okay? 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I, I, what I want to point out there is the wandering away from the faith, you know, trying to pursue wealth, all right? Um, so you know the, the theme I have here already, right? <laughs> you got to watch out with, with, uh, with what you're going to pursue, right? And I think, um, I think that it's particularly important for you right now because you're at a position in your life where you... This, this question should be echoing around in your heart and your head right now. And maybe you're, you're, you know, you're still 
got a couple years before you still ha seriously at that point have to take it on. But maybe you were thinking, well, what am I going to do in life? Am, am I, am I going to go to college? Am I going to try to get a job? Am I going to, you know, uh, 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 how am I going to earn money? What, what do I want to do? What, what, what are my career paths, right? And, you know, lawyer, businessman, doctor, you know, and, and you might be thinking along these lines because it's coming up, right? It's coming up. All right. So what I want us to do is I want us to consider today two, two men I'm going to discuss right now and, and then the passages that I read. And I hope, I, I hope and pray that that will give you some material to use as you begin to make these decisions, right, and, uh, and to pray about them and to try to do the right thing. So I want to talk about Peter, and then I want to talk about Jeremiah. But because of the time we have, I'm not going to ask us to go to each passage, but I'm just going to explain the life of Peter. And if you know your Bible and the New Testament, you, you'll recognize these, these events in Peter's life. You know Peter, right? And, and um, how old do you think Peter was when, when he was called, when, when Jesus came into his life? Does anyone know? We don't know, right? But I tell you what, I don't think he was 20. I don't think he was 13. I think he was... He was, a, again, we don't know for sure, right? But he was, he was a man with a boat, <laughs> earning a living, catching fish, right? So uh, he was already at that point in his life. And do you remember how Jesus came into his life? Uh, Jesus was giving a sermon, and he needed a boat to sit in because the crowd was pressing him. So they moved. He took over. He sat in that boat. And it turned out that was Peter's boat. And after the sermon, Jesus took... Peter out, because Peter had been fishing, how long? Remember? All night. Remember that? All night. And hadn't caught much at all. And this is how Peter made a living, right? This was, this is, he needed to catch fish. And Jesus then at one point says, just throw your nuts over on the other side. <laughs> and and then, then the boat starts sinking because there's so many fish, right? So Peter at that point, remember what Peter does? Oh, wow. God, Lord, get away from me. Because I am, un I am an unholy man. So Peter went way beyond just the fact that all of a sudden he had a lot of fish. He realized this person is, 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 a, is a divine link to God. And I, I'm not sure Peter understood then and there, thank you, that, that Jesus was God in the flesh. But, but he knew automatically that, that he was dealing with God. And that he needed to do this right. The last thing you want to do is try to fool God about who you are <laughs> and, 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 you know, the, the things you have in your heart, which we all have. You know, we just need to tell God, forgive us and, and move away from me. <laughs> and then Jesus comes and says, relax, I, I picked you out, right? And then you have the story of Jesus, uh, Peter following Jesus, and a lot of interesting things happen. But I want to remind you of two of them. Do you, do you remember when um, they were at, they were at a, a house after walking through the road? Uh, much of the day, and they were about ready to have supper, and then Jesus starts washing their feet. Remember that? And then Peter says, you're not going to wash my feet, <laughs> uh, because Peter had a, t a, a lot of respect for Jesus. That was pretty obvious. That's, that's kind of always been obvious when it comes to Peter. But then Jesus said, look, there's, I'm doing something a bit more here. This is a symbol, and you're going to walk in this world, and your feet is, you're not all dirty, but your feet are going to get dirty, and I'm going to clean your feet. And if you don't let me clean you, you have no part in me. And then what did Peter say, right? Well, clean, clean everything, everything. I'm ready to go because he simply didn't understand. But his heart was in the right place, right? Because he wanted to, to be Jesus' friend. 
Uh, do you remember another time when they're in the garden and uh, Jesus is, is, uh, is being arrested and, you know, Peter pulls out a sword and goes after somebody's ear, right? Gets into a bit of trouble. But again, you can sense that his heart is in the right place. He's confused. He doesn't necessarily know what, what's going on. Either way, right? <laughs> like, you know, and, and, and it, you get the sense he's learning a lot, but he still has a ton, of, ton to learn. And he messes up. And then he messes up again even more because after that, he sneaks down. He cares so much about Jesus still. He wants to figure out what's going on, and he's trying to warm himself by the fire, right? And then a, a young lady says, you, you have been with the Nazarite. And he uh, three times denies Jesus, even, even using profane language to try to convince them that he's not of that sort. And when's, when's the last time you actually let loose a ton of bad words just to try to prove to someone you're not a Christian? I mean, th think about how, how far you must go to, to really do that, right? I mean, and there's Peter doing it. And then Jesus looks at him. Peter realizes what he's done and is just heartbroken. Doesn't, again, doesn't really understand what's happening. He watches Jesus die. He gets very depressed. Then, it, then he says to his friends, hey, I'm just going, I'm just going back fishing. I'm, I'm, I'm going back to where I started. I'm going to go catch some fish to sell, probably because I have some bills to pay, and maybe I need to pay off this boat or something, Right? And you remember there, he sees someone on the shore, and the person on the shore tells him to come in and gives him breakfast. And who is that person on the sh shore? It's Jesus. And Peter doesn't recognize him right away, which is very interesting that Jesus changed his, his face or whatnot. But eventually, there is deep reconciliation. Peter is forgiven. His guilt leaves him. And then he has this very fruitful time in his ministry when he has that sermon of the Pentecost and, and 5,000 are added to the church and he goes on to live a, a strong life. Now, legend has it that, that Peter died for the faith. This is not in the Bible, but this is something that has sort of been accepted by Christian theologians and historians. And do, do you know how he died? What the, what the legend is? They, they crucified him, but he did not feel himself to be worthy to be crucified like Christ, so he asked that they turned him upside down. So they crucified him upside down. And again, that's, that's a, I, I, I present that to you again as food for thought. Um, so that's one of the men I want to I give you, one of the figures of the Bible that are given to us as models, right? And here's another one, Jeremiah. So I'm reading through Jeremiah myself, and I'm just, I just, I'm just finishing it up. Jeremiah was, like Peter, Jeremiah met God, right? But, but he met God at a very early age. In fact, God tells Jeremiah, even when you were in the womb of your mother, I knew what I wanted you to do, and I was calling you even in the womb. And Jeremiah is given a very hard task by God. He is kind of thrown into it, right? And this young man has to speak to kings, has to speak to a city under siege. Now, these kings are very worried about things because armies from the north are attacking Jerusalem. And if you're a king in, <laughs> in this time, in this place, you don't just sit around and let people come and take over your city. You fight back. You fight back. You're, you're, the people in your city want you to fight back. And you know what the main message that God gave Jeremiah to give to, to Jerusalem was? Don't fight. This is something God has planned, and you, the land, it needs to be cleansed. The Israelite group needs to be disciplined in love. We'll, 
I'm not going to discipline you or punish you all the way, but, but I, do, I, I do have punishment for you, and you need to go into exile. Go into exile, pray for the cities you're in, flourish there, and I'll call you back when I'm ready to call you back. And that's the, that's the message Jeremiah had to give. So what do you think the king, the king thought about him? Well, you're a spy. The, 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 you know, Nebuchadnezzar has paid you uh, to, to say this, and, and, uh, and, and you, are, you are not a friend of Israel. So guess what, Jeremiah? Get, he gets tortured. He gets thrown into a well on the ground and left there for that, so that the mud r- rises up to his, his, his hips. Um, they have to pull him out with, with pads and ropes a couple days later. And it's, it's incredible, the story of Jeremiah, right? But if, if, if you read him as, and you watch him and you realize this is a young person, you can also see that he's going through confusion too about God. Because there, there are at least twice where he's, he, in his book, he, he asks God, what are you, what are you doing? I, I know you're God and you are all holy, but why aren't you punishing the wicked? <laughs> and, you know, God, t- God tells him things like this. Get this. If you have raced with men on level grounds and they have tired you out, how will you run with the horses in the thicket? How would you like to get that answer? If you were, if you were hurting, you're like, I, I just need some information. How come you're not helping us? And God says, you think this is hard. I have even harder adventures for you, Jeremiah. Just wait till I have you run with the horses in the thicket. Um, th- another time, Jeremiah discovers that his own family is plotting to kill him. <laughs> And, and uh, he goes to God with this, and God basically says, don't worry about that. I know all about it, and you'll be okay. <laughs> you know, but, but he has to face this, and he's on a learning curve, right? But when you finish the book of Jeremiah, you watch someone that has stayed faithful to God's call the whole time, the whole time. And, you know, he has to give up his land. He has to give up his house. He, he, he buys a field, and then he buries the deed, and he has to, he has to do all sorts of weird things to the king's like, you know, hold up rotting belts and all this to, to try to make the message come clear. And finally, he also goes into exile, but he never once stopped giving out the word of the Lord. Okay, so here's my question about you, right? What about you? What, which, can you see yourself anywhere in this? Because what you have here are whole lifespans. And you're at the at the early stages, you might feel like you're old or whatever, but tell me, believe me, you've got years ahead of you if you stay healthy and God blesses you that way. And uh, here's, here's, my, here's my question to you. Are you, are you Peter in that you, you don't feel that necessarily you have met God yet? I mean, sure, you, you come to church and you hear a lot about God and you actually know a lot and you know, you know about Jesus, but you're like, I haven't actually maybe met this presence so that when I meet th- th- that God, I say to him right away, get away from me, I'm sinful, or fix me, or help me. So there, there, is, a, there is a meeting that might be waiting for you, I want, and I want you to think about it. But, but maybe, maybe you've already met God because you might be like Jeremiah, and, and, and God does call some people very early on. He gives you a lot of information. He changes your heart early on, and you feel close to him, and you want to serve him when you're 8, 9, 10, right? Some of you aren't going to feel that until you're 20 or 25. And in God's plan, that's his time for you, right? But here's, here's the question. Here's, here's what I want us to come back to. It's what are you going to do about that when, 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 when God does show up in your life that way? 
okay? Because you, you have a community you're living in and a nation, a group, America, and you have things that are expected from you, right? I mean, you have to go to school. At this point in your life, you have to go to school, right? But, but, uh, but then what, what's, what's the usual narrative, right? Well, after school is college. And after college, it's what? Well, because of the way we've escalated escalate, uh, education, it, it might have to be grad school for you, <laughs> right? Because the MA is the new BA. And, you know, so then after grad school, then what? Well, Lord willing, I'll have, I'll get mar- I'll have a job. What comes first? Mary, job? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to start earning money and saving money so that I can support a family. That's right. All right? So I got to be saving, and I got to be finding this, this job that's going to do this. And then once, once we have enough, we can talk about buying a house and having kids. And then what? Well, now you got to keep all that stuff running, <laughs> right? Because now you have cars. And you have, and you know, you've got, you've got all these bills. You haven't even heard of some of the bills you're going to run into, you know. And, and you've, you, you got to keep this stuff above board. So now you're working harder and longer at that same place or maybe getting another job or maybe moving on, hoping for a promotion. And, and then pretty soon around 45 or 50, you start thinking about a couple things because you have kids, right? And so th- think like a parent, okay? If, if you were 40, 45, and you have kids, what, what might be some things you're thinking about now? I got to pay for their college. And then what about us? I'm 45, I'm 50, I'm 55. What, what do I have to start preparing for? Retirement. And how much do I need if I'm going to live off interest or, or live off my savings? And should I get involved in Wall Street? You know what the number is in terms of how much you need and if you want to have a comfortable retirement? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing what people are thinking. Now, here's, here's the thing that you have to figure out, okay? And I can't really be up here and just tell you what the right answer is because this is going to be between you and God. Now, I can tell you that there are going to be some wrong responses. If when you all of a sudden look up from your fishing boat and you realize Jesus is in your boat, if you ignore that, that's a wrong response. Okay, so I don't know if, if you're going to meet that when you're 15, 20, 25, 30, but, but because God is who he is, and he doesn't depend on your imagination for his existence, he's going to reach out and meet you one of these days. It's going to happen. Because you're made in his image, and he's the one that you're going to have to deal with at one point in your life. And when he, when he, when he comes into your life, what are you going to do? I think we, we should all say, just ignoring it, or, or running away from it is, 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 is the wrong answer, right? Okay, so the question I think you're going to be faced with is, what path do I really need to go down? Because the path I just described to you right there, did that, did, did that have anything to do with the kingdom of God? So that's, that's the complicated question, isn't it? Because we all know a lot of really good people that, that, that have trained us and taught us as they have just simply done work day after day after day, right? They haven't started churches. They haven't, you know, gone off to be a missionary for 10 years. They haven't, they haven't uh, you know, done this organization or, or written that book or created this, you know. They just steady on have done what they've done. And I, I would say to you, you know, that's their story between them and God. But let me ask you, if the driving force of the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years of your life is going to be how can I earn more money? I think that you're on the wrong path. Okay, you're on the wrong path. Because 
you are in a situation where you're going to have to earn some money, but that should never be what your target is, right? Because remember Matthew 6? Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, I want to ask you, is that poetry? Is that, is that like figurative language for some, or is it like literally, is, 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 is Jesus in this sermon literally telling the people in front of him saying, don't worry about that. Just follow me. I'll take care of this for you. All right? Um, so if, if, if that passage is literal, right, then how come we don't believe it the way we should? And I'm just telling you, it's, it's, it's hard to actually live that because, again, you're in a situation where you, as an adult, and, and you're going to be hitting this soon, you know, you're going to have to be dealing with, well, how do I pay for this? How do I pay for that? How do I earn this? What I, you know, because everything seems to have a price tag on it. And you can't just, like, ignore all of that, right? I mean, how many of you do summer jobs and you mow grass and, you, you know, and then you're earning and saving and giving some to the church? And I, I think that's, that's okay, right? I mean, so how do you balance this, right? How do you balance it? And I think, and this is not a question where we, like, just solve it and we get it, because I'm still struggling with this, you know? I mean, seriously, I'm struggling with this. How do, how do I balance what I think God has called me to do and prepared me to do versus all those bills I have sitting on, on the freezer back home where, you know, where I have my little area to pay the bills. How do, how do I balance my, my energies, my activities, my focus? And where is my joy coming from? Is my, do I really feel very happy and content when I know that I've got a really good job lined up? And how come I don't feel that way when it's not maybe there? Because I teach part-time. You know, sometimes the jobs are there, sometimes they're not. So this is a very live question for all of us, Okay. But let me, let me just say this. I, I've reached a conclusion, okay, that life is going to give you a rhythm, a rhythm that you can kind of just follow if you want to. It's the rhythm of just getting up and doing whatever the day tells you to do. What's today, Sunday? Okay, so you had church. And what are you going to do after this? You're going to get ready for Monday, which means you're going to be doing some homework or something, right? Because that's the rhythm. And then, and then it's school, the rhythm of school, the rhythm of, your parents have the rhythm. It's work, maybe it's, being at home and taking care of the home, and then, you know, if, if, if there's a Wednesday night service, or maybe you do something Friday night, a lot of families do Friday movie night, and you spend time together, which is good, right? But that's a rhythm, isn't it? It's just, and you can do that rhythm over and over and over again, and you, you find that eventually that, that's, that's basically your life, okay? Now, the other thing that you might find that you have to do is just your basic duty. You know, you're going to have duties that you just have to do, I mean, if you, if you get married and have children, you just, you, you have to take care of them. I mean, that's just a duty, right? But you know what? That's, people that do not profess Christ as their Savior also recognize that duty. That is not a, a specific Christian duty. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, because, again, God has created all of us, and, and God, God is con cosmic. In other words, he's, he's, he's over the world. I mean, in a sense, that is a Christian duty, but but they, they, they want to do that too. They want to take care of their bodies. They want to be healthy. So these are just duties everybody has. This is just like putting on your clothes, man. I mean, you just got to do it. It's, you're not to be commended for this. This is not what you should give your life over to. This is just stuff that you have to do. So I, I personally, I do make a distinction between the duty and the call. You, you have to take care of those things as well. But what about that call? I mean, what about is, is there going to be a time in your life when, when all of a sudden you realize, I really want to do something special for God? 
and I feel like he's, call, he's telling me he wants me to do that. And when I look at what I have, I can see what it is. And, and, and I want to be careful how I say this because sometimes you say it and, and, and then you make the people feel that they need to know it now, right? I don't know, I don't know when it's going to come for you. I mean, for me, it came around 35, when I was 35. But I had stayed faithful to my duties. You know, I, I, I prayed and I was trying to walk with God. I was reading the Bible and then all of a sudden, I think I experienced that call. Now, some people get it earlier, some people get it later. But I do feel like if you, if you want it, right, if you seek and knock, and ask, you're going to get it. And, and it's going gr- to fill you with a lot of joy. It's going to be very unique for you. Now, here's what I think a call is, okay? I think God gives you gifts. I think God gives you gifts from a very young age. And I want you to start thinking about yourself. What do you love to do? What do you love to do? I mean, you just love doing it. Now, let me ask you, this. is it sin? No? Okay, then, then God has created you with that propensity for joy in that activity. And you shouldn't forget that. You should privilege that. You should work harder at that because you love to do it. And do you have special skills? Some of you are talented with music, some, some with art, some with woodworking, some with mechanics, some with computers. Just, just put a keyboard in front of you, and before you know it, you've designed a video game. The rest of us are trying to figure out where to plug in the cord. All right? If, if that is you, that's a gift. That is a, that is a gift. And, and I believe that you need to look into your life to find what gifts God has given you. Maybe you love to design clothes. That's artistry, that's harmony, that's balance. There's, there's an intelligence there that's a lot harder to do than it looks. You need to remember that. God is, God is doing something in your heart, giving you a joy and a skill set, okay? And you can, if you look, I think you can start recognizing some of this now. See what I'm saying? And start praying about that. Scott, what do you want me to do with this? I love to read. I don't know. I just love to read. I'm, I'm thinking about someone. Or, or write. Maybe you like to write, okay? Ask him to help you to grow. That, that's something that other kids don't have. That's, that's unique to you. He's given you this gift. All right, so you should, you should honor that. And then I also think that, um, <clears throat> that as you grow closer to God and you move, and you move forward in your life, you, you are going to begin to care a lot about other people because that, that, is, that is the results of fruits in your spirit, okay? Now, we all, the way you mess this up is to, like, embrace sin knowing that you're embracing it. We, we all have sin in our life, and, you know, you get it done with, you ask for forgiveness, and you just live the next day. But at one point, if you're like, I like this, and I'm going to keep on doing this, even though I know it's wrong, so what? then I think that is, that is how you cut this off and you go down a very dark path. And I, I pray God will pull you away from that and there might even be a, a strange blessing from that down the line, but I would never suggest that you go down that path. What I would suggest is that as, as you stay close to God simply by trying to not sin, by trying to read the Bible, by trying to pray and stay close to Him, you, you are going to see things happen inside of you that, that resemble the fruits of the Spirit more and more. And, and one of that is you're going to start caring about people. You're going to start. You're going to start really trying to figure out. You know what? I want to help this person stay close to God. I don't even. I don't even want this person to like like me more. I don't care about you because I get something out of it. I just. I care about you because I know God made you, and He made me, and I'm going to see Him in heaven. You're going to be there. I'm actually going to view you as my brother there. Why, why don't I start viewing you as my brother right now? And and I want you to be closer to God. I want your joy to be full. So you, you're going to be trying to figure out, 
hey, how can I help kids be better readers? Because then, you know, then, then they, exp- or, or how can I teach them music? Or how can I play golf with them? Oh, yeah, let's get, let's get a little a golfing group. I love to golf. I love to golf, right? And I've thought, you know, wh- what, if, what if I were to just get a group of guys together and once a week we just took young people out to play golf with us one-on-one, right? It would be really, <laughs> really weird because, uh, you know, golf is much harder to do than it looks. But, but the point is not that you want those kids to be playing golf. It's that you, these kids are hurting. You know, some kids are like full of hurt. And they might just need an adult in their life that says, relax, let's just go hit this white ball. And if you want to talk about something, let's talk. If not, that's fine. I'm going to be your friend for two hours or four hours or whatever. And so you, I think when you start recognizing what, what I'm calling a call in your life is that you have the special skills, you have a desire to do it, you love to do it, you're good at it. And all of a sudden, down the line, you're beginning to think, how can I use this to help other people get closer to God? All right? Now, once, once you start seeing that, I, I, think, I think you need to latch onto that, and you need, to, you need to make that grow, okay? And that's what should be your focus in life. You need to ask yourself, do you have a, a holy stubbornness that's going to keep you from quitting? Because a lot of people have a good idea, but they never do anything about it. So you have to be able to start the thing, and you have to stick with it. If, it's, if, if, it, if you feel this is what God is calling you to do, don't let anything stop you from doing it, Okay? You cannot, you need to read Jeremiah, and you cannot quit if you believe this is what God is calling you to do. And part of that is courage. You're going to need courage because, again, a lot of people are going to say, and they're gonna, th- there's, there's going to be a lot of good intention here. These people love you, but they might not be where God is, is calling you to be. And they might be saying to you, you really need to focus more on doing this and this and this, and you might you might want to say, you know what, I actually want to travel, or I want to become a missionary, or I want, I, want, I want to develop, or I want to start this business because I have a vision that this is something God can use. So now, if these are your parents, you need to obey your parents. But I'm talking about as you, as you get older and as, as, as you face pressures, okay, wh- what, ki- what type of life are you going to embrace? The rhythm where you just... Do what Monday tells you to do. Do what Tuesday tells you to do. Do what Wednesday, and do, do it all over again every week. Are you just going to be doing your duty and just earning money to pay your bills and, 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 and then being kind to people and, and talking to your neighbors and raising your kids? Or are you going to be trying to build something too? Or following a call, if God gives you that, when he gives you that. I'm saying when, not if, but when. All right? And I would say as soon as you start feeling something like that, why don't you talk to some good leaders in your life, like uh, Brother Jason, Brother... Jeremy, Brother John, Brother Jim, uh, Brother Mendoza, Noe Mendoza, they, these people care about you, and they can give you a lot of insight. Um, so <coughs> remember that as, as, you, as you grow, right, and as you go through high school, and as you start, as you start making decisions, right, where am I going to go to college? Well, this is a great college, you know. This one is, is Ivy League, and, you know, you get this scholarship, and you get this, and, and, and you know what? You're still paying $20,000, and the only reason you really want to go is that it's Ivy League. And I don't, I don't know if that's the right way to make that decision, right? Um, ask God to show you what he might want you to do with your life. And then whatever that is, do it with all your heart.